everybody welcome to the 168th edition of the holy backboard podcast i am dustin here in rip city and i got my man sage chilling uh man dustin said let's do a podcast today and i was like i had a nice little siege game a siege you know marathon last night actually played well got about seven hours of sleep and i am ready to go man I just feel like there is so many layers to this off season that we really have to break it down into multiple episodes. Obviously we have talked about the draft and who we like in the draft. And then we got Nasir little and brought in L brothers media and he broke down Nasir's game, why he slipped and how we can impact the trailblazers. Now, and that's not even touching the Baysmore for Evan Turner trade. So with free agency really 24 hours away, if, if you're on, on the West Coast, there's a lot of things that are going to shape the NBA for the foreseeable future that happen in a short amount of time. And one thing that I have been really seeing a lot in the, the Trailblazer community is the sentiment that the Trailblazers should either go all in this year, cash in their chips, make that push. Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum aren't getting any younger. Or let's kind of stay the course. Maybe you wait for that next disgruntled superstar to emerge six to eight months from now. Maybe cash in there or lean on your internal development. And hopefully you're able to bring back Hood, Cantor. We saw what we did without a healthy use of Nurkic last year. Who knows what the 24-year-old Bosnian beast will have in store for us later in 2020. So there are just a lot of unknowns, and I wanted to unpack that. I also want to go into Al Farouk Aminu. He is Portland's lone unrestricted free agent. Let's discuss where we want him back, do we want him back, what contract would make us most comfortable, and then some under-the-radar free agency signings. Neil O'Shea said not to expect any fireworks come July one. June 30th, excuse me, in the Kent Bazemore press conference. It looks like we are just going to have the tax mid-level at 5.7. So let's kind of discuss who we think is available at that at that slot. Is it going to be an internal resource like a hood or a canter? Or are we going to have to bargain bargain basement? You know, is this going to be the Ross dress for last summer 2019 for, for the Trailblazers? So, uh, Sage, let, let's get into this. First and foremost, what are your thoughts on on the Trailblazers and how the roster is constructed? Are you a big Kevin Love guy? I know it feels like fans are trying to make this rumor kind of Daryl Morey it. Just kind of come out of nowhere and say, we're getting Jimmy Butler and the Sixers, you're going to take our package whether you like it or not. It kind of feels like this, this narrative is being forced upon Rip City. And uh, I want to get your thoughts on Kevin Love to Portland. I am good with the player. The contract is what makes me scared. I think the four years is what scares me. If it was like a two or three, I would be much more willing to spend the the assets to attain them. It's just that fourth year, like that. That's a lot of money that to put on our uh, cap 
for people saying that he isn't an upgrade over uh, Al Farouk Aminu, that they're tripping. He is he is a far superior player to him. It's just that contract is is what scares me. It's the contract, but it's also his durability. So Kevin Love is 30 years old. He, he's on the wrong side of 30 and only getting older. You look in 2017, play 60 games. 2018, 59 games. Only came back for 22 games in 2019. That is not the type of contract I want to take on knowing this player has, a nightmare. He has a history of durability concerns. And... I think where where I am at in terms of Kevin Love is I don't think it's going to happen this summer. I think right now the Cavaliers probably have different visions of what they anticipate a Kevin Love trade package returning. I I think it's going to be significantly lower than they or their fans believe. Exactly. And you also want to let that season start to play out. Once the Cavaliers realize that having Kevin Love on that roster for four years at 40 $30, $40 $30, $40 million isn't going to win them any additional ball games, then they'll start to come to their senses. But where I am at is he's probably a last resort in terms of a quote-unquote all-star player that's available, and I would only give up expirings. I would not even throw in a first-round pick, maybe a heavily, heavily protected first-round pick, because as Neil O'Shea has shown over these past three years, our young core has been built through the draft, and that's what a small market has to do. You talked about Dame's uh, Supermax is going to kick in in 2021. That's a lot of salary on the books. So you want to make sure if you go all in, it's it's a move that, that, that really can get you over that hump. I mean, everybody has the potential of playoffs right now. Everybody. So every asset, every player is going to be at the highest possible value to the team. Once the Cleveland Cavaliers get kicked to the nuts a few times, you know that the trade ask is going to be a lot less. But right now, the Cavs are like, man, we got Colin Sexton. We got we got Gar. Uh, wait, who is it? Darius Garland. It, Garland. We got we got uh, uh, Kevin Love. Got we got Larry Nance. Jetty Osmond. We, we can we can we can get that eighth seed i mean yeah every everyone that everyone on opening night is in first place and they all have those that those hopes and dreams and aspirations and shit if Kawhi goes west they could make the playoffs in the eastern conference that is how shitty that conference is so you're absolutely right portland is gonna have to wait on a guy like kevin love if that is who they truly are targeting i i don't think there is any smoke I don't think there's any the fire. There, there is nothing to this rumor other than Zach Lowe trying to, to to speak it into existence. It just it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I, I think if you're the Trailblazers, if you're looking at a more of a veteran power forward, it, it's going to be a Blake Griffin or a Lamarcus Aldridge that you're going to target. Someone who can be more of a two way player. In the case of Lamarcus, he's he's a solid defender, and in the case of Blake Griffin. He's really extended his range, and he is also a really good facilitator, about 15 feet extended in that middle of the floor, right where we needed our forwards to be in that last playoff series against the Golden State Warriors. I I feel like there's some people that are trying to speak it into existence as well, and then there's this very loud group of 
anti-lovers that uh anti-lovers man, i kind of like that dude that they're out there dog and man like if kevin love is who dame and and neil and terry want i think it would behoove them to wait till the deadline for the asking price to be a lot lower just because everybody you know everybody is gonna value their assets higher now than in february and everybody also knows that portland in Houston, to some extent, are the next teams on that Western Conference tier that need to make a move. Utah already made theirs. Denver is in the process of making theirs by picking up Paul Millsap's team option, and they also have the full mid-level. The Lakers got Anthony Davis and have another max slot available. So if you go down the pecking order, everyone is expecting Portland to make a move. You have to be crazy if you don't think other GMs know the position that Neil Olshay is in right now. They got to take advantage of someone who might be desperate. I don't want us to be desperate for that next move. That's what might kill us, man. But if we wait and be patient, I think I think it, it's better for the squad because, you know, t- other GMs know the West is tough and we might be desperate for that next move. And I think it also depends... I think it depends on two factors, going all in or really hoping your internal development can can get you over the hump. The first factor is out of your control, and that is free agency and specifically the Los Angeles Lakers. They already have Anthony Davis, LeBron, and Kyle Kuzma. If for some godforsaken reason they are able to land Kawhi Leonard, which would ruin the league, and that's for another day, another topic, I think you – you hold everything close to the vest and say, we're going to let you have one this year. There is no team in NBA history constructed to beat a LeBron, Kawhi, AD trio. That is just not going to happen. And Portland would be foolish to go all in to try to go up against that juggernaut. It would be almost like the the Warriors with, with, with Kevin Durant at, at their peak. Maybe even more difficult given how incredibly gifted Kawhi Leonard is playing at the moment. Yes, there are injury concerns across all three of those players, but it feels like you would be going all in against a stacked deck and your chances would be pretty minimal at, at overcoming those odds. And then the other factor is just how good do you trust your young talent to be? If you haven't had a chance yet, listen to the Bill Simmons podcast. He has a guest, Ryan Rosilio. Uh, it's about two, two hour free agents, free agency bonanza. I, I got through it all yesterday. Fantastic listen. At about the 80 minute mark, they talk about Anthony Simons and all of the intel they're getting back on, on Simons. This is from Rosilio. And quote unquote, Simons is going to be a monster. And this is the, the and he wouldn't have shared this from. He wouldn't have normally shared this, but the guy who shared this with him, he said, has never missed. He was the same guy that put him on to CJ McCollum way before CJ broke onto the scenes. Uh, Bill Simmons said he's been hearing similar buzz. You know, they've, they've talked about how around the league people have viewed Portland as getting a lottery pick in Nasir Little. Uh, everyone's enjoying the progress of Zach Collins. You add those three to Scalabissier and Gary Trent Jr. And Portland has a really nice core. It's not going to be bare bones whenever Damon CJ decide, you know, five, six years from the road that they've, they're kind of starting to sunset their careers. Portland is building a really good farm system. 
Portland also has a history of win now trades that have completely backfired. We're talking in 91, they do a three team deal with New Jersey and they get Walter Davis for Drazen Petrovic. Two years later, Petrovic's third team all NBA on his way to become an NBA superstar before his life was tragically taken from him in a car crash. Then you fast forward nine years to the summer of 2000, where after losing to the Lakers, Portland panics and they trade a raw, probably 22 year old Jermaine O'Neal for an all-star air quotes, Dale Davis. We all know how that turned out. Jermaine O'Neal's a hall of famer and was a bonafide all-star two years after that trade as well. So Portland needs to really look at these players, take the glasses off and say, are you guys going to be all-star caliber players? And who is the type of player that we're getting in return? I don't even bat an eye if, if, if Cleveland calls for, for Kevin Love. I say, no, you are not touching any one of those three players. Um, Keith Smith from Real GM tweeted out this morning that his sources have been telling him Neil O'Shea is getting a lot of calls on Anthony Simons, and he's basically saying no. Like He's not completely off the table, but they're just not going to throw him in there. So... What I want to ask you, Sage, is knowing this talent, we're starting to see the hype build around Portland's young core. Obviously, we'll get a firsthand look at a lot of them in Summer League. But are you willing to to hold on to these assets and hope they grow internally? Or are you saying, nope, next disgruntled superstar that's on the market, I'm shipping the young kids out and I'm bringing in that star and we're going to win right away? It all depends on what the the ask is, because I mean, if like Giannis was 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 disgruntled and wanted to go to Portland, yeah, yeah that, out. That, that's next day. I mean, that's FedEx next day air. Like we're we're bringing Giannis to to Rip City. You're absolutely right. Like Giannis. So it 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 all depends on what it is. Okay, but let, if let, me, let me give you let me give you some names. Brad Beal. No. Paul George. Maybe Blake Griffin. <laughs> no. Okay. No, 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 so, no. so we're talking some big boy names here. We're not, you know, borderline fringe all-stars. Like the only, they have to be established. They man. have to be established. And I think they also have to have some room to grow. I don't think. Yeah. Cause Paul definitely does like Bradley, Bradley Beal. is kind of like, nah, cause, cause I think Nasir and Simons both have, all-star potential and i don't think bradley beal is the type of guy that would help us now as much as a paul uh paul george i mean exactly so it's it's but i would never say nah i'm never trading because yeah you have to the what if the what if scenarios might happen you know exactly you need to actually see what player is coming back but just the fact that you paused when i said paul george leads me to believe that we have a nice young core and it's always going to be hindsight is 2020. You know, we can look back a year from now and say, man, we really should have traded those kids like while their value is high, or I am glad we didn't because look how incredible they are progressing. They're on cost controlled contracts. We're still able to compete in the Western conference. It's it's a tough decision and one that I really don't envy. I don't envy the fact that Neil Olshay is in this position and has to make that because a lot of times you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. I mean, you just 
don't know. I mean, look at the Toronto Raptors. Had, had Jimmy Butler taken that last shot in game seven in Toronto and had the ball bounce four times and go in, and then the Raptors are out in the second round, I don't think Kawhi Leonard is even giving them the time of day. It's the fact that they were able to win the NBA title that he's even considering staying. So they took a monumental risk and given everything that had to fall their way, yes, it looks great in hindsight, but man, it was, it was a roller coaster and they really had no idea that that was going to be the final piece to the puzzle. Where would, how do you rank our young, our young prospects? Ooh, that's Simon. That's a great question. Definitely Simons. I, I think he has had the the most hype of any prospect. I think he's performed the best in an NBA game. I went back and actually rewatched that Sacramento game. I would say Simons won. I think you still have to go Zach Collins too, just because we've actually seen what he can produce and two way bigs that they, they just don't grow on trees. Uh, I go Nasir Little three. I would probably put. Um, Scal four, Gary Trent five. You, man, I think it's Simon's one. I think Nasir goes second just because of the the lack of uh, really good small forwards in this league. Zach three, I would go Gary Trent four, and then I think uh, Scal would be five. I I don't see him as part of the young four. I, I don't know. So I went back and I watched that game and I wanted to, obviously everyone talks about Simons, you know, 37, eight, like two turnovers. And those was, those were late in the game. Obviously just looked flawless. But what I saw was if we're talking about Gary Trent jr, a big guard, he kind of a throwback guard really got mm-hmm. to his spots with ease reminded me a lot of, a Bonzi Wells, Steve Smith, and that he was able to throw and yeah. weight around. He, he can actually post up, and he's, he's got a nice mid-range shot. I know he came into the league with a reputation as a three-point shooter, but that was at the college line, which is significantly shorter than the NBA line. If he can ever extend that range and shoot with ease, I think he's going to carve himself out a really nice starting-level rotation player as just a bona fide scorer. You look at, at Jake Lehman – Man, if he ever develops a consistent jump shot, he is that aspect of his game away from being a starting small forward in this league because he has everything else that you want. He moves without the basketball. He attacks the rim. He just is so fluid. Um, I can see Simons and Jake Lehman having that same type of chemistry that Evan Turner and Jake Lehman had this past season. And we saw Jake's um, production drop a little bit when ET was not on the floor. And I think it, they're going to get a lot of practice time together in that second unit. So expect a lot of lobs out of those two. And then the player who honestly surprised me the most was Scal LeBissier because he has everything you want in terms of the total package on offense. He just needs to get a little stronger. I mean, he was, he can face up guys and shoot. He can put the ball on the floor. He has range out to the three point line but what I loved most about him is he was relentless on the glass and he has got go-go gadget arms. So he had a lot of nice tip dunks, um, just was able to use his length and athleticism to get a lot of basketballs. Obviously with him, it's going to be repetition on the offensive end on defense. There's a lot of basketball that needs to be played for him to 
understand the rotations and where he should have been on the floor. Uh, I didn't expect him to be a defensive stalwart right off the bat because it was his first time playing in probably a few weeks. But again, I think if you if you're not able to bring back Alfred Camino and you find somebody else on the open market that's not a power forward, I think you could realistically see him coming in and giving you 15 minutes off the bench and seeing what what he's able to do. But the talent is there. I don't think anyone is going to to deny that. But I really liked what what I saw from from the team, and, and I know it's just one game, but it, it's better than hearing all these stories about, oh, man, Cliff Alexander is just tearing down the rim in practice, gets in the game, and you don't see any of that. So at least we were able to see something with our own two eyes. And then they had ultimate freedom in that game, too. I, I think I, I think most of our guys just need that confidence, too. Like They have a lot of things that you desire in players. I think it's repetitions and just that that confidence because you saw Jake Lehman versus new Orleans and he was super confident and he destroyed shit. And then you watch him shit in the playoffs or at the end of the regular season, that confidence is gone and you see like, Oh, this dude doesn't even belong, deserve to be in the games. So I think, I think it's just confidence with all these young players and that Kings game definitely gave them a little taste of what the NBA is like and that they can uh, compete at this level because it's the ultimate level. And at least for one game, all of those guys looked good. So I think it's just confidence all around, but at least they have the skill initially. It's just about the confidence and reps. And one point that you said, Jake had a lot of confidence, but he was able to play freely and his teammates realize that Portland has a great culture of finding the hot hand. There's no egos. It doesn't matter if you're the first or the 15th guy, if you've got it rolling, Dame and CJ will find you. Teammates will find you. Um, yeah, they ran plays for him. Ex- just like they were, he was getting like literal, like Reggie Miller type curls off of like multiple picks. Oh yeah. And they were just letting it fly for it Jake. felt like, it felt like, you know when Curry's gonna make the shot. You know when Steph Curry's making the shot. It just was like, oh well, f- there's nothing we can do here. We have to deny ball, or he's he's draining it. So for like five minutes of real time, I I was thinking Jake Lehman was like the 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 Curry, the Reggie Miller, the the Dame Lillard. Wow. So breaking news: Nikola Mirotic is signing with Barcelona. So he is off the NBA market. That's an interesting move. When I saw rumors floating around about that earlier this morning on Twitter, strange move. I he is definitely He could get like 10 mil here. He could start Easy. here for a contending team. Like he yeah. was fantastic for the Pelicans, kind of fell off for for the Bucks, but I mean I guess I mean he's from Spain. Maybe he, it, he just wanted to go home, but I Injuries was a bitch to him this year because before he had those injuries, he was getting like 20 and 10. Like he was, he was beasting. So good luck to you, Nico, man. I, I wish I could see you in the NBA this year, but apparently you're going home. So yeah, let's, let's talk a little bit free agency. Obviously we got 24 hours before it officially kicks off. 
let's let's start with the player we were just talking about, Jake Lehman. Portland offers the the qualifying offer, making him a restricted free agent. Uh, Portland would have the ability to match any offer thrown at Jake Lehman. Sage, one, do you think Portland retains him? And two, at what price point do you think that is going to be? I don't think he had enough long sustained success for some team to actually throw like a major contract at him. So I think he's going to come back maybe like on a three or four year like deal at a pretty cost controlled contract. Cause he just didn't have that long. Like he had, he had two months of good success, but people really were sleeping on Jake Lehman. So I think he stays on the team. Yeah, I realize a lot of teams have money this summer, but there are a lot of free agents as well. And I, I don't think yeah. Jake Lehman is high on a lot of teams' boards. And I think Jake comes back. I think he'll either be at the one-year qualifying offer, which would make him an unrestricted free agent the following summer. Or like you mentioned, I think we get him for maybe three years, 9 to $12 million. So three to $4 million average average range, which is which is perfectly fine for, for a backup that that's 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 cheap. That's cool. Absolutely. I'm very happy with that. So let's move on to Portland's starting power forward, Al Farouk Aminu. Uh, reports have came out that Raymond Brothers, his agent, has not had contact with Neil Olshay in terms of a contract extension, which would need to be completed by the end of the day today, which would give Chief four years, forty-eight million dollars. Uh, I, I don't think that was ever in the works given the the playoff performance from Aminu. So he will obviously be an unrestricted free agent, but Portland again has his bird rights. We can sign him for any amount of of money. Same questions for you, Sage. One, does he end up in Portland? Two, what what do you think his market value is worth? What's your, what's your, what's your number for, for Aminu in terms of the Blazers coming back? Maybe like nine mil, maybe give him a little bit of raise, but I could see a team offering him three years thirty, yeah. and I don't, I don't think I do it. No, no, and I think we've discussed this. the The time is now for for Zach Collins to start, and it's either going to be at the five or it's going to be at the four. Um, I think you're definitely going to see Portland look for for bigs in free agency. And we've seen what Alfred Aminu can do over the course of four years in Portland. Um, he's had some really great games. He saved our ass on multiple occasions. He has also had games where you just never knew what you were going to get from him. And in terms of the postseason, towards the end of that Denver series, and in Golden State, completely unplayable. Could not hit mm-hmm. the broadside of a barn from downtown. I tend to think that the Alfred Aminu era in Portland has come to an end. Um I don't think Portland is going to re-sign him. I think you're going to get another team. I think 440 is probably what he's going to get on the open market. And if you're bringing him in as a backup, you just cannot pay a backup $10 million. That's what got Portland in this kind of position with the salary cap they're in right now. And so, you know, I thank Chief for his service, for his tenure as a trailblazer. But I, I just think it's time to to move on. There are cheaper options we've discussed on text Maybe you bring back a Noah Vonley to to play that backup for. Basically, we've just seen what this team can do with Alfaru Kaminu. He's starting to lose a little bit of a step defensively. Um, he is what he is. 
And I think it's time for the Blazers to kind of see what else is out there. And he, I mean, he deserves to be in the NBA. Absolutely. He's going to get, he's going to get that next contract. He's going to be good. Like he's going to get a, he, if he chooses to, he can get more money and be on a bad team or less money and be on a team with a good situation for him. He definitely deserves to be in the NBA. I just don't think it, it's going to be in Portland this year. But I always wondered if his shot was... Because it, it, it has to be perfect to go in. If his shot had more... A bit like it, there was more room for error, I wonder how much better he would be. Because it, be it has to be greens to go in, you know? If it was a little bit more flexibility to it, how much more effective he could be. But I, I think that is a question for a different team on a different podcast. But uh, so Portland has three non-bird free agents: Seth Curry, Ennis Cantor, and Rodney Hood. Let's remove Curry from the equation because Neil hasn't mentioned him. CJ on the pull-up podcast was even talking just in passing about Seth possibly going to the Lakers. I, I, I don't see Seth Curry coming back to Portland. So let's kind of remove him. And he can get more money someplace else. Like he had good playoff success. Some team is going to notice that and give him a contract. I mean, yo, Aaron Gray got like a massive deal with Detroit for three good games in the playoffs. It's where everybody sees you ball out. So if you ball out, you're going to get paid. And you, so I think and you Curry can't really gone. play. You, you can't really play Curry, Damon, CJ for multiple long stretches uh, of the game. And I think that's what really kind of hindered his production in Portland, a very underrated defender. We'll miss that from Seth, probably maybe more than, than his three point shooting. His basketball IQ is legit, man. Oh, absolutely. So you looking at Rodney hood and Ennis Cantor, has your position swayed at all as to whom the top target should be? If you're Portland. I think it's hood just because of his positional, where he is on the court, but uh, as a as you know, the likelihood of uh, Myers having major minutes or starting thing has reared his head in my mind. Cantor is definitely more valuable, but I still think Hood is the is the guy just because there are gonna be minimum bigs that are gonna be good. Like you mentioned, Noah Vonleh. He only had 30 games of really good ball, and then the Knicks pulled the plug on him. I don't think he's going to get a, a, a anything more than like a minimum contract, prove it contract again. So I think Hood's, Hood's the guy, and it's, just, and it's just because there's more bigs than there are wings. I think Hood's the guy for me just because he is the better player, and you know you're going to get use of Nurkic back at some point. I think Myers Leonard, Zach Collins, and a power forward signee can hold down that fort. I think you saw Portland's level of play significantly increase when you had Dame, CJ, and Hood as that one, two, three. They could hurt you in a lot of ways, especially if they wanted to hide a set uh, Steph Curry or Jamal Murray on Hood. Hood punished them, won us a, a mm-hmm. couple of series. So Hood is my guy. It's it's looking more and more like it's going to have to be that five point seven tax mid-level if you watched Neil Olshay's Kent Bazemore uh, press conference. and But I also don't think they'll, they'll turn Ennis Cantor away. I think they're going to aggressively 
uh, try to pursue Ennis as well. And it could come down to, you're talking to both Ennis and Rodney and said, guys, we've got one $5.7 million contract we can offer. It's really the first one to say, yes, we're not going to, to discriminate based upon your performance. We really can't wait. We got to move on. Who wants it? Um, I think it could come down to that as well. Um, I, I do think Portland ends up with one or two of, of those players. I, I think we'll find a way team success, the culture, the the atmosphere inside the arena playing with Damon CJ, what they had last year was just a taste. I, I think we'll find a way to get one or two of those guys back. Uh, before we wrap this up, Sage, who are a couple of under the radar free agents that you can anticipate being the classic Neil Olshay special? You know, it was, it was a text thread between you and I uh, a few days ago about uh, David West credits PJ Brown with a lot of his initial success in the league. And initially it was talking about Zion and Al Horford. And then I realized that Zach Collins is, would be a junior if he was still at in Gonzaga's and he could use a PJ Brown in his life. And I was trying to think of like a nice PJ Brown level power forward that could take him under his wing and this guy has always been overlooked and i'm hoping to god that he's overlooked this year i would love to bring in thad young do you do you think we can get thad young for the vet minimum though i think we'd have to give him that uh that mle because i i I imagine that this free agency is gonna be really fast for those big contract guys and then people are gonna be missed um, if Thad Young gets missed, he he is my guy. But I, I think he he deserves more than what he, he would get with us. But if we could get a guy like Thad Young to help mentor Zach, that'd be fucking fantastic. I I don't know if we'll get him, but that'd be my guy. And so, if I'm looking at some guys to kind of round out the roster, we mentioned a fifth a fifth guard. I really like Devin Harris. He he's been through the ropes. He's been in the league since like 03 or 04 and would come at the vet minimum other wings that I think could be really good mentors and kind of take on that Ed Davis, Evan Turner type of role, Vince Carter. He can still produce last season. The NBA. Absolutely. Jared Dudley three and D Absolutely. can come yep. in and just knock down buckets. He's another player who's been battle tested. My Neil Olshay special. I've heard dragon bender thrown up there. But I want to take it to the other Phoenix power forward who was drafted in that 2016 class. Marquise. Marquise Chris is a guy who I think is going to be severely undervalued in free agency. He didn't play well in Phoenix. Newsflash, no one's playing well in Phoenix. He went to Houston. He got no time. Then he goes to Cleveland. Well, Cleveland's not developing anybody. Cleveland is a cesspool right now. You get Marquise Chris. You get him in the right mindset with, with Dame and CJ and Terry. He has got game. He can shoot the ball out to the three-point line. He's athletic as hell. He just needs to kind of put it all together. And he is a Neil Olshay classic, under-the-radar, super, super, you know, Ross Marshall's find. Mm. That's that's my guy that, that I would really target, um, maybe even more so than Noah Vonley. I think Noah might command more than the vet men, but I, I think – Marquise Chris just has a, a Nick Stauskas feel to him that we get him. He's going to win us a couple of games uh, next year. He just he fits the timeline of that young core. And 
just another classic reclamation project. If we're talking reclamation projects, I I will really I've been I've been fiending for some Danzel Valentine on my team. He he I mean he could be had for a second round pick. I would love to have him on the squad. Um do you think like a Justin Holiday would be a good uh low price talent to uh take some minutes at the wing and mentor our young our young wings? Or I think Justin Holiday is definitely a, a valuable NBA player. For me, if I'm adding another wing, it, it's got to be a player who's cool with just not playing, almost like an Earl Watson when he was here mm. in, in 13, 14. Because you have Dame CJ, they're going to play 36 minutes a night. There's not going to be a lot of extra time. Penny's already been basically, you know, godfathered into that backup point guard role. So that's that's your three guards right there. Bazemore is going to definitely play a lot of two. And then if you bring in Rodney Hood still, I mean, he's going to get those those minutes at the two and the three. So time is going to be limited. That's why I kind of really liked a Devin Harris and Vince Carter because they've kind of taken their laps around the league. I think they are content playing spot minutes, mentoring from the bench. I think Justin Holiday has too much more left in the tank to give. So that's- What about Mike Muscala as a big I mean, he can definitely shoot the basketball. I mean, he was uh, – didn't he get traded for Zubach? Yeah. It, it's just like, man, we, we – Thad Young is a dream. We got to have some flawed guys. A, 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 a Mike Muscala, a, a Marquise Chris. Those are the type of guys we'll be looking at. Um, I mean, I, I think when you talk about flawed, I like to look at it maybe glass half, half full and say specialist. You're looking for a player that does one thing fantastic. They may suck at everything else. And I'll go back to Nick Stauskas. He did not do anything other than shoot the open three, but that is a need in the NBA. And he won us games because of his ability to spot up and shoot the basketball. Teams had to decide, do I leave Nick Stauskas open or do I come and help on Damian Lillard, who's going to get this wide open layup? You need specialists on a team full of 15 players. You got your superstars who do everything for you, but then you got to find guys who who fit roles. And so when you look at guys at the vet minimums, what what can you bring to the team? Ed Davis, elite level offensive rebounder, elite level locker room guy. You have to find guys who can kind of, when you put three or four of them together, you've got the perfect player and you get them playing in harmony. It's kind of what you had in 77. I mean, you just had everyone doing a little bit of everything because they complemented each other well. And I think that is what Neil has done a really nice job, and Terry as well, is they found players that complement one another, both mentally and physically. And they're all on the same page. And what Neil said in that press conference that really resonated and something I've kind of been wondering for a while is, would the team take a chance on a, a questionable character guy? You know, we're 20 years removed from the Jail Blazers era. Is the city... Is the team, is the franchise, are they, are they ready to, to move on and maybe go out and, and take a risk on somebody? And Neil said, you know, we factor in three things, culture, chemistry, and talent. You know, at any point, your talent does not outweigh your problems. You don't become a viable option. Mm-hmm. And counter to that, we had a lot of shit that happened to us last season. You know, staff members had cancer, uh, John Yim had a near fatal car crash after the Oklahoma city series, CJ with the knee, Mo with the knee, Yusuf with the leg injury. You know, we had a lot of things that could have tore that locker room apart. 
could have really put a damper on the season and just, you know, let's just hit the reset button next year. But there was a lot of mentally strong players in that locker room that were able to overcome that adversity and thrive in it, frankly, and and push this team to the first Western Conference Finals berth in 19 years. So that is something to keep in mind when you're looking at players that you can maybe have one guy who who needs you can have one asshole. Or maybe just one guy who who needs to maybe learn how the culture works in Portland because that that's something that you just can't quantify. And that to me, to me, that is the big reason the Blazers were able to advance to, to the Western Conference Finals is because they just have such a fucking great culture and continuity. I mean, it's when people talk about the Spurs and Pop, they were so good because they knew each other. They they knew what each other liked to do. They they were they played basketball on just this wonderful level. And honestly, I think Portland is getting there. They've got a really long tenured um, head coach and GM. There's a lot of stability there. Dame CJ Myers, they've been there for six, seven years. That just doesn't happen in today's free-flowing NBA when people are jumping ship left and right. That should count for something. And we saw the fruits of those labors pay off. And I think if you're Portland, just keep that in the back of your mind this offseason. That it's okay if we just make minor moves because mm. you know when we were talking at, at Stu's birthday party about you know playing rec ball and how we just got wrecked by a couple of teams who you could tell they played together for a while. They knew their spots, they were cutting, and they may have been a lot less athletic than we were, maybe older, but they were familiar with one another. And they were it was like five playing as one, where we as one playing as five. And it's kind of what the Blazers are doing. They're not going to have the most talent on any given night, but there's just something to be said about being familiar and knowing what your teammate is going to do, maybe before they do it. There's just no defense for the perfect cut, Absolutely. the perfect pass. I, so I've been looking at free agency bigs. Would you? Do you think uh, Frank Kaminsky would be ha- available for our MLE? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Charlotte looks like they're willing to move on from Kemba Walker and ready to hit the reset button as well. I mean, he's another reclamation project as well, someone who hasn't really lived up to that that lottery hype. But I think I would rather go for Chris just because he's a little more athletic, probably a little more cheap. Um, I don't know if you can play Kaminsky and Myers at the same time. Defensively, I don't think so, but offensively it might be pretty nice to have all that spacing that is i mean yeah i mean he he can definitely stretch the floor there's no denying that he's the prototypical stretch for big in today's modern nba man i just had a dyslexic dyslexic moment i was looking and i was like darius miles no (laughs) darius miller okay holy shit um what about a guy like Jamichael Green? Because everybody's been interested in Jamichael Green as a backup. Do you think he could be had for that mid-level, or do you think he'd be wanting more money? Oh, I would hope he wouldn't. I mean, for his sake, I would hope he would get more than the mid-level. I, as an NBA GM and owner, would not pay Jamichael Green more than $5.7 million. Like, he's got to prove it to me. I, I think he's a player, if you're looking to even break up that mid-level, give him three, somebody else two. Um, he is 
another player that you could say, we're, we're ready to give you 25 minutes a night on a contending team. He, he is another mm-hmm. player who I really liked at the trade deadline, does a lot of things you want out of the modern four. And I hadn't thought about him. That is a really great, great find, my friend. I, I love that addition if we would be able to get uh, Jermichael Green. And, you know, this is what Neil's going to have to do. I mean, these players, they, they may not sound sexy as, as we're saying their name, but – you know, a lot of players that we brought in didn't sound sexy at the time, and, and, and look at them now. Um, you can't expect us to have bring in all world players with money ball salary. You know what I'm saying? So guys like Marquise Chris, guys like Frank Kamitsi, all are gonna be thought of and you know conversated about during this this free agency period. I don't expect us to make a a move six oh one Sunday when you're able to talk to free agents. I think we're gonna have to wait a few few days before we really talk about bringing in new guys. Yeah, I mean, it seems that Ennis Cantor has interest from the Celtics, the Lakers, the Bulls. Uh, I think you can rule the Lakers out just because he doesn't really get along with LeBron. And if they go for a max guy, there's no way Ennis is going to sign there for what the, the minimum. The Bull, Bulls have Wendell Carter and Lori the Marksman market in. Yeah, so Where, again, that doesn't make sense to me either. Uh, Boston is losing he, Al Horford and probably gaining Kemba Walker. So who knows what Boston can offer, but Portland's – you're going to start for the majority of the year. You're going to play major backup minutes. The fans fucking love you. You're already a Blazer legend. To me, like come come back home, Ennis. Like we can love you like nobody else can love you. So, uh, would you give what, what would be the contract that you would offer uh, Cantor? Would it be like a one in one, or would you give him multiple years? Well, we can only give him the the tax mid level, correct? Oh shit, yeah. So it two years. Never mind. Yeah. If you if you could offer him money, what would you offer him? I mean, if I could lock him up to a four year deal, I absolutely would. I mean, I, I think okay. he, I think he's absolutely a nine ten million dollar player, and especially with with Yusuf Nurkic, how important he is. Having someone of Cantor's caliber as insurance, we saw front and center this spring, just how important that was. You, that that is a premium that you're willing to pay for. I think if you're if you're Jody Allen, and you're Neil O'Shea. Hmm. So I think quickly before we, we wrap this up, I want to touch back on Portland's young core and why I think it makes sense to wait on whether you want to go all in or not. Obviously, you don't know what's going to happen eight, eight months from now if Paul George says, hey, we're not winning shit in Oklahoma City, I want out. Or you know, Bradley Beal is all of a sudden just like, eh, I'm ready to move on from, from D.C. I think it makes sense for Portland to see what they have. And normally you would want to sell high on an unknown if you if you are, you know, the holder of that asset. But in this case, Portland has a chance to see that value really skyrocket. And you could really go after someone of a Paul George caliber if Penny starts to show out, if Zach takes that next step, if Nasir shows any flashes his rookie year. And yes, there is some risk in that, but I really still don't believe we would be able to get a whole lot if we were to put all three of those together right now. They have a lot of value in rip city's eyes. All of our fans were, were super stoked for them, but I think there has to be a little bit more proof in that pudding. And you've seen a little bit from Zach and you saw one game 
or Simons. But if I'm an opposing GM, I think I'd want to see more. And I think if you're the Blazers, you want to see more as well because mm. now you really know what your cutoff mark is for packaging those three guys. You know, is it we need a first team all NBA type caliber prospect or we'll just take a fringe all star player or no, these guys, they are on cost controlled contracts. They are the next wave of Blazer stars off limits. We're building this team internal. So I think mm. it's just going to be a wait and see approach for for this team and just stay patient and just, just enjoy this ride. I think as long as they show flashes and you know, show that potential of being good. We could trade them if if need be. It's just I I'm not ready to give up on this year. Not even seeing them for a second on the court, you know. Absolutely. It. I I just want to see what Penny and and Nasir and Zach can do in the the minutes that they play, and if they dominate fantastic if they are a little slow hey they're 19 20 and 21 so you can't expect them to be 10-year vets when they've only played you know seven years together all three of them so hey i'm very excited about these young guys um we are available on itunes stitcher uh, google play himalaya podcast uh, nothing but net radio check us out and uh, if you're listening this far you're a real one and i for one cannot wait until the uh free agency starts and we get to see where all these high price players go yeah and we will be back as soon as portland makes a move we'll have another episode for you we're coming at you all summer long i mean we just came off the western conference finals i mean if, if your excitement level for this team is not at fanatical what, what what's wrong i mean this this is the time to get hype if you are a Blazer fan, um, again, if you haven't had a chance yet, listen to that Simmons podcast, 80-minute mark. It is great hearing outside media talk about the Blazers the way that they did. And traditionally, Bill Simmons doesn't like to give us a lot of hype. So really good to hear if you're a Blazer fan and just summer leagues around the corner, free agency. It's going to be a fun ride. Uh Let's let's enjoy this. Enjoy the sunshine. Enjoy some summer basketball. And we'll be with you all summer long. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go. Let's go. Come on.